All right, welcome back to the KCSD Wellness Warrior podcast. Today, I have a whole group of crazy coaches that have taken up a new habit for their health and well being. I'm really excited to have this conversation. So, without further ado, I'm going to let you guys take turns introducing yourself to our listeners. Jump on in there. All right, I'm, I'm Brian Stock. I teach science out at Henley High School. Uh, coach boys basketball and coach softball. Um, I was in Gilchrist for a little bit, still a part of Klamath County School District, um, even though 90 miles away. Uh, but I've been in the district for, I, I believe, 13 years now. Um, so that's me. That's quite a while. All right, yeah. who's up next? Denson, second highest, you go. Um, I'm Randy Denson. I teach um, life skills uh, to um, 18 to 21 year olds in the district that, um, and we serve students with moderate to severe disabilities. It's the Klamath County Transition Program. Um, I coach girls basketball and softball at Henley High School. And this is my sixth year um, with the district. Awesome, next. And my name is Adam Randall. It's uh, only my third year of the district. I work at Henley High School. I teach math uh, and I'm our CT coordinator for career technical ed. Uh, I coach the baseball team, but probably my favorite job at Henley is being the score clock keeper for <laughs> boys and girls basketball. That's probably the thing I like the most. <laughs> score clock keeper. Awesome. I'll go next. Sam McCormick. I'm the newest guy here. This is only my second year with the district. Only 25 weeks of it's even been real before we got <laughs> shut down. Uh, before that, I served six years in Madras and a year in Prospect before that. I helped coach the baseball team. And uh, don't let them fool you about the clock stuff. I did most of that last year, which is why the scores were off consistently. <laughs> <So> sorry. <laughs> awesome. And let's see, Dylan, you want to jump in there? I'm in, yes. Go ahead and uh, give us a quick introduction. Where, what do you teach? Where do you teach? What do you coach? And how long have you been with the district? Uh, okay, I've uh, been with the district, I think, uh, 13 years. Uh, I teach at Henley High School, uh, history and government, and I uh, help out with the basketball team. Awesome. Is that all of us? Did we get everybody? Yeah. Sweet. So basically this is the crew, all these introductions that if you're tuned in and listening that you've just heard, um, this is the group of crazy coaches that basically have taken up a new running habit. Am I getting this right guys? Basically none of you were runners before and you've started running together. Uh, I'll, I'll take it one step. I despised running. <laughs> put it like that I think the most I'd run the most I'd ran I ran like a 5k once uh, but I was more of a more of a 20 minute guy 20 minutes was good for me um, so it was a completely new experience for, for myself yeah I'd like to piggyback on that I tried running maybe three or four times in my life and I hated I, I hated conditioning and practice in high school and college uh, I like to hit doubles where you can jog in the second base and not really ever have to get to a sprint and, and i hate running and last april when the pandemic hit there wasn't much to do you know the founder of our little group bobby mick who's on today just called up with me and said you're going to go running there's no choice and then he kept calling and he kept giving me a choice and i just ran every day and the mileage tacked on and now here we all are Um, I, I second, third, all of that. Um, I maybe have walked a 5k in my life. Um, uh, maybe. And, uh, yeah, I didn't really like running. Uh, it was really hard to be consistent with it. And this September, um, I heard that Randall was running and I asked if I could start start coming. And after the first day I wanted to quit and not come back, but I have been going at it ever since. I'm just loving all this feedback so far. So far, any anybody anybody else want to chime in on the uh, the hatred of running? 
Sorry, I was over in the corner sneezing. I still hate running, <laughs> but it feels kind of good when I'm done. So I keep doing it. And I was tired of uh, being tired the entire month of September. While I was trying to chase elk up and down the hills. And so this year I was slightly less tired, which made it worth it. And my hunting partner, I consistently beat up the hill. And so uh, it, it was good to make him feel less fit than me. <laughs> I like that as well. I like that as well. Yeah, it's uh, that's an important part of life, being able to outperform your hunting partners. So. <laughs> and we still don't do anything, so whatever. <laughs> Well, see, then I feel like it becomes even more important then, right? If you don't kill anything, then at least you still have the bragging rights of, hey, I was quicker up the hill. Absolutely. But it's all <laughs> kind of in the wash because then you just have to wait for them. That's true. <laughs> so you guys mentioned Bobby Mick because one of my questions is where did the motion motivation come from or whose fault was it? How did it start? Um, would you say he's like, it's his fault? Like if you had to point at someone? It's absolutely his fault. Uh, and it really worried his wife because sometimes when he, I don't know, maybe gets frustrated with the way the world's going, he gets into running and he gets really, really into it, which is what a lot of us have done. And so it started with him making me run the month of April and May. And then through just negative peer pressure and browbeating, he got Sam to join. And different guys in the group were on different fitness plans. I think that's one of the coolest things about the group is everyone used that pandemic time the quarantine time to the best of their ability to find somewhere to better themselves. And we, we ran a bunch in the summer, but once it got into the fall and the days start getting shorter, the time to find to run was really non-existent. And he realized, well, hey, we can put on headlamps and run at night. And so he invited guys to start running on Thursday nights at Moore Park, which was really weird and scary the first time and then really, really fun, kind of a rush. And from there, more and more guys would come each Thursday night. And I'll let the other guys kind of speak to it. But I know not too long after, Randy said, I want to run more. Can we meet like at five in the morning? Um, and then Dylan and his wife started joining us in the morning and Brian's joined us in the morning. And so Bobby started it, but it's kind of taken on a, a mind of its own where all these guys were finding success and fitness and self-confidence and so now there's quite a few of us that run four or five days a week in the morning at 4.45 and, and then we still run at night. But I mean, guys jump in. Uh, the things I left out as far as how this developed into what it developed into. I know, I know like for me, it, it kind of, you know, I just kind of started by myself when the whole, everything got shut down and I quickly, quickly realized, like Adam said, um, you know, I, there's not a whole lot else to do. It's too early, too cold to really get into fishing until, you know, summer comes around and um, running is is free. Uh, I can leave from my house and be back in my house. I don't have to drive anywhere. I can just go out and do it. Um, so for me, it was more, um, for some reason, I, I was, and at the same time, I really got into podcasts because there was zero sports on because um, mm -hmm. all the sports were shut down, which, again, opened up a lot of my time because there was nothing to watch. Um, and so I was listening to it was this it was Lex Friedman. He's just he's got his own pocket. He's a super smart guy. And he was talking about. Uh, making yourself uncomfortable, doing things that are uncomfortable. Um, talking on this podcast is uncomfortable for me, but it's something <laughs> that I can go home at the end of the day and said, all right, I did something very uncomfortable today. And so anyways, that's how it started out for me, just individually. Um, so I didn't really get into the social aspects of it because running to me was always uh, a punishment, a conditioning to get ready for something. I never thought about the social aspects of it. And so when we started doing the stuff on Thursday nights, um, that brought in a whole new set of emotions and, and kind of a tie-in for me. And you just felt better um, when you were done. And I don't know if it was just physical, mental, um, emotional, you just felt better. And so 
um, you know, again, kudos to Bobby um, for being the guy to, to, he's that guy, which, you know, Friedman talks about too. Everybody needs that guy that no matter the conditions, no matter what's going on, like there's always a guy that wants to go, that is making guys go. And you know, if you don't, um, he's not gonna say anything, but you know, in the back of his mind, it's like, I, I, didn't, I didn't show up or I kind of let him down type of thing. And so he's that guy, cause he can just kind of show up and go. And, and the cool thing about it, like Adam said, everyone's on their own level everyone's on their own pace and you just kind of go and everybody can get out of it what they put into it which is a pretty cool thing that is super awesome i love i love that you brought up sort of the the freedom and the freeness both you know money wise and just exercise wise of running and tied it in with the social aspect that you guys have brought to bear on this i mean we all, especially since we're being isolated and shut down from a lot of the ways we used to hang out with people, um, getting that social at the same time as physical activity, I mean, that's going to be huge for, for you know, having any sticking power to any new habit of exercise is that you have people who want to do the same thing that you enjoy spending time with. Um, so super cool that you, you notice that and you notice like it's definitely affected your mood. Um, and just overall emotional well-being. Um, that's such a super, like a, a dense answer, just packed with information. Um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time just like geeking out over it. But to me, that's so cool. The layers of wellness there. Um, anybody else want to jump in on that? Yeah. I for me, it's changed from a physical, uh, I'm not focused on the physical aspect so much. It's that we've lost so much socially in the last 12 months that the best part of my week socially outside of my family is pulling up to the parking lot at Moore Park and seeing everyone's truck or every mile at a crossroads in the trails, like stopping and waiting for everyone to catch up and then sitting there and socializing um, some of us are on a little bit of a dry streak right now, which we can talk about later, but at times we've you know, had a few barley pops in the parking lot or gone up to the tap house and you know, continue that socializing. And for the group of us who run like at 4.45 in the morning, I love coming around the corner and seeing two or three people staying there waiting to go uh, or you know, signing off and running home uh, and saying goodbye to them and having a great day. I mean, we, we've really been robbed of a lot socially in the last 12 months. And so for me, the focus is really on social well-being, And it's the highlight of my social calendar is when I get to see the people I run with. It, it means a lot to me and I'm grateful for it. That's, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've been a part of various running teams through, throughout my, cause that was my sport growing up was, you know, cross country track. I mean, I played football and stuff too, but having those, those teammates to look forward to having conversations with, and I've been a cyclist in my adult life. I've been an ultra runner in my adult life, a mountaineer. Um, there's always that aspect where you're stoked to see the friends you want to do your cool stuff with. Um, and to just share that excitement together um, about what you're accomplishing and get through the the grind. I mean, sometimes sometimes it is a matter of like getting through the grind. Like you don't want to show up that day, you don't want to go face the weather that day. Um, you know, you had a stressful day at work, you blew a flat tire or whatever, and it's like, no, we're here, show up. <laughs> and so you do. And I, I think. I think all of those things. Um, I also love that the way you've self-organized your runs is a similar way that the local running club does their Wednesday runs is uh, they do they do no drop runs. So you mentioned stopping every so often to regroup. Like, I think a lot of times the thing that scares people away from trying running is this idea that it's like, well, I'll just get left behind and then everybody will just keep running and I'll just be alone the whole time. So why should I go? But I like that you've organized, and I think that's an important practical piece to pull out for other people. You've organized in a way that, oh yeah, we're gonna run, but we're gonna stop every so often, let the group get back together, crack some jokes, have a conversation, choose our next turn and then continue. And uh, yeah, I think for any 
starting a healthy exercise habit with running with any group of new runners, that's got to be a part of how you interact with each other. And so it's super cool. You naturally found that as the style of run you were going to go on. So you, I mean, we've, we've jumped in on camaraderie. We've jumped in on some of the fun and the social aspect and, and all that. Is there, is there a challenge or a goal, maybe a race or, or an event that has sort of started to come up for any of you or each of you? Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's separate things. Maybe you're like, no way, totally not going to sign up for anything. Just going to do the habit and see what happens. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm looking forward for a race to get going, going on just because it's harder for me to, I, I'm not a morning guy, so I, I'm not doing the 445 stuff, but I, I need a little extra kick in the rear end uh, to get out and keep doing it. So I'd love to have a race to really challenge myself and prepare for Last summer when Bobby talked us into doing it, uh, he had us sign up for a 10K and I, I wasn't even gonna do that because that seemed like a long way. <laughs> and then his, uh, his last text was, well, Nolan signed up now, and that's his 13-year-old son. So at that point, pride got in the way, and I had to do it. Uh, but it was really fun for something to look forward to and to challenge yourself. And once you did it, you're like, well, I could probably do a little more than that. And knowing that that was attainable for me, and then we did a, a Randy Denson half marathon on the winter solstice. Uh, I'd never even imagined doing something like that and managed to trudge across the finish line a few hours later. Uh, so it'd just be fun to have something in the future to get ready for. And it sounds like there's a lot of trail races and such starting to get reorganized. Uh, so I, I'd love to do one, actually. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And it, there, I have been seeing a lot more um, race directors saying they're going to try to bring their races back this year, whether those be road races like half marathons or trail races. Um, here in the state of Oregon and and you know here in uh, Southern Oregon. Um, so I do think there's going to be a lot of possibility there and I'll, I'll include a link down below for those who maybe don't know how to find those for ultra sign up for the trail races and for some of the various sites that host, uh, road races as well. So if anybody's listening and you don't know how to find races, I'll include that in the show notes down below. Uh, anybody else? The finish line's outstanding. If you're, if you need any extra motivation to sign up for a race. It's true. It, it, that is true. Food, food, at, food at the finish line is often awesome. Usually they'll have some good local craft beer as well, if that's what you're into. Uh, yeah. And then also, you know, you're there with a bunch of people who also have their finishers medal around their neck and you're kind of feeling like you just did something super awesome and you get to swap stories about what went well and more importantly, what didn't go well. Um, Cause the war stories are always the best when you're, when you've transcended some horrible experience that happened that you didn't expect mid-race. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're a great social experience. So I do hope I do hope they get to come back completely. Jason, I wanna hear from Dylan. He's the smartest guy on here and he hasn't said a word yet. Dylan, you and your wife are getting ready for a race right now, aren't you? Or are you, are you hoping for a race upcoming? I'm gonna try and do uh, a half marathon up in Bend in April. But really, uh, you know, the point that I do is it's in 20 years. My son is eight. In 20 years, he'll be 28. And on the Elk Mountain, I want to beat him up every hill in 20 years. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really the race I'm looking forward to, um, or the reason why I do it, I guess. I like it. Long-term thinking. Um, and I mean, really, that's that's a big motivation for, for, for us as men, right, is am I going to be able to be that dad who's an awesome role model throughout all stages of life, as opposed to sadly my own dad, like he was a workaholic. He didn't take care of his physical body, didn't really take care of his emotional well-being. And you know, as I got to be an adult, like we couldn't go do much of anything together because he was burned out. He was overweight. He had diabetes. He was in, you know, the doctor's office regularly. And they were saying, Oh, don't, don't go far out in the woods anymore. You're, you know, something could go horribly wrong. And so like, as I was hitting, you know, full steam growing into manhood, he had to pull way back. So it's like this natural separation occurred again, you know, where when they're too young, they can't, you know, hang with you. And then 
as I reached the place where I was hitting steam, he couldn't hang with me. And so there wasn't ever that moment where we matched up. Um, and I think, I think it is a part of fatherhood to be able to be that strong male role model. And you guys are out preparing for the future of that, um, to be ready for those moments where your kid's like, Hey, I want to go do this hunting trip or do this backpacking trip. And you can be like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and uh, you know, from the childhood I've, I've had growing, growing from a kid up into a young, like, that's a big deal. Like I can look back and see those missed memories that could have been shared. Um, and my dad was a wonderful guy and a provider for our family and I'm not knocking him at all in that way. Uh, just there's more to it than just, you know, paying the bills and you guys, you know, are, are, are acting that out right now. I, I feel the same way that Jason and Dylan both do. I mean, Jason, I, I've come into hunting late in my life and my dad's not in shape to do any of it. And I can't share those things with him. And I'm kind of an older dad where I'm, I think I'm 39 and my kids are all four or younger and I want to hunt until I'm 70 or 80 years old. And more importantly, I want to share that with them, like Dylan said. And so I think most of this now has gone from our own physical improvement to like socializing with each other to longevity with our kids and being able to share fitness and the activities we love with our kids someday. Jason, when I told my dad that I'd run a half marathon, he asked how long it took. Uh, when I told him his response was, why did it take you so long? <laughs> he ran one way back in the day that he claims he didn't train for much. So I guess now I'm in a beef with the old man and I have to run a marathon and beat him. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, you know, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. That was a, that was a really great part of this conversation. I just enjoyed that thoroughly. Um, I'm going to shift to a quick practical question. It's pretty cold right now. You guys are running early hours, late hours in darkness. You mentioned, what are some of the gear recommendations you have for running in the cold and running in the dark? And anybody can jump in and out here. Well, for me, it's my beat headphones because when stock and Randall are way far away, I need something to listen to to catch up. But, um, but really, I we just uh, the headlamps at Moore Park are very crucial to see, um, and that's about it. It just kind of depends on the weather. But uh, I would say gloves and headlights are the big deals, big deal for us. So. Yeah, for for me, it's definitely gloves. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's some sort of condition or just me personally, but when my hands get cold, um, it's like mentally I can't function. And so it feels like if I can keep my hands warm, uh, the rest of my body's uh, pretty good, especially once you get going. Um, once you get going, um, it's pretty easy to warm up. For me, it's hands and neck. Uh, you gotta have a neck gaiter or like a full kind of head covering, like a baklava or whatever they call it. But I'm probably the softest guy in the group. I'm just waiting for Randy or Dylan to make fun of my jacket. But I mean, it's cold gear bottoms, cold gear top, like three sweatshirts. And then one of our ex-players in the baseball program that Dylan's probably coached longer than I have because Dylan used to be a JV coach here. James Haskamp's family all works for a railroad. And he gave him this bright orange safety jacket. And it's windproof, waterproof, uh, and high vis. And that's really important because when Randy and I first started running in the mornings, you know, Klamath's not the most running friendly town at times. You might have trucks, you know, revving right as they pass you by and having the orange safety jacket. People give us a little bit wider berth, but as far as the headlamps go, Sam turned me on to this Black Diamond Revolt headlamp and it's rechargeable. And the first like four runs we did, I brought my battery powered ones and gave one to Luke Hammond and they would die because I just wasn't good on sitting on the batteries. So you're having a rechargeable battery headlamp that you can just plug into a USB cord each night. It's been a really nice transition for me. Yeah, I would agree. That's a pretty huge upgrade. Yeah, rechargeable, rechargeable lamps. That way, you know, it's fully charged every time you put it on instead of like, can I squeak one more go out of this set of batteries? Oops, nope. Yep, nope. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jason, I just say one thing about gear. If you happen to see us out at Moore Park or in the morning, you would never think that we're a running club. Uh, you would probably guess that we're a bunch of homeless people out, you know, begging. Uh, so, I mean, we, we look pretty rough, just whatever sweatshirt, and we don't look like runners. I promise you that. <laughs> well, a vest and some thick socks makes the time much more pleasurable. And then uh, a living piece of gear that I like to bring with me is my black lab when we go to Moore Park. I have an orange light up collar for at nighttime. And number one, she loves it. And I always figure if, if the dog can keep doing this, I can keep going. And you kind of gauge uh, the dog's tiredness level when she's when she's feeling good. First couple of miles, she'll be up at the front of the pack, not with me. And then as she kind of wears herself out, she falls back in line with her with her owner again. Those are my pieces of gear. Uh, dogs are some of the best training partners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Anybody else want to chime in on any piece of gear or, or did we all get a turn there? Awesome. I, I think, sorry, Jason, one thing that is really, since none of us were runners, we've all gone from progression of like running and whatever we had to, oh crap, this isn't going to work. Like I need some trail shoes now, or maybe even need a, a different pair of shoes for running on the asphalt. And I don't know, a bunch of guys on here, I think went down to when the sauna had a pretty good smoking deal on some running stuff, but that's been, you know, maybe an expensive part for some of us is actually having to get some shoes. Like, okay, I'm actually going to do this. I need to take care of my body and having a pair of shoes. that's the right pair of shoes for you. makes a huge difference as far as recovery and pain and, and wanting to continue to do it. Yeah, no, I would I would completely agree on on both aspects there. I love that you brought up, you know, you guys looking like a motley crew of of not runners cuz you can start you don't have to have all the right things to get started. I think sometimes people have a hang up where it's like, "Oh, unless I have all the right things and I've, you know, bought, you know, did on done all my research and bought all those things, I can't start this new habit." And like, "Oh, that's too expensive." Like, "No, you've got you got a pair of basic, you know, walkers or trainers or tennis shoes, like go for a run." It, it won't kill you. But once you've established the habit and you're starting to put on a few more miles, like learning what shoes work for you, what type of shoe, what style of shoe, um, getting into a quality running shoe. Yeah. That's going to make a big difference in how you feel at the end of the run, how you feel through the rest of your work day, how you feel five years down the road. Um, so it is a good investment. And if you think of it as an investment in yourself, then it's not, oh, I'm wasting, you know, a hundred bucks on this pair of running shoes. It's like, well, I'm going to keep doing this and I'm going to be doing it and, f and feeling good and feeling healthy five years, 10 years from now. Um, and that is worth the hundred dollars here and now to feel good about myself and be able to perform in the future. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, both of those are true. Like, don't feel like you have to have everything just right to get started, but also be willing to upgrade when upgrades make sense. And I guess the last thing on equipment, and you guys jump in, I feel bad for talking so much, but none of us are runners. And now almost all of us own uh, yak tracks or some form of yak tracks. And maybe Dylan can speak to it, but there was one day where we ran out the Klamath Ridgeview Trail in five inches of snow. So to come from never running and none of us being runners to Dylan and Randy and I all participated in that run where you're running in yak tracks in five inches of snow up and down hills, thinking to ourselves like, this is pretty cool. So uh, yak tracks have been really critical, even though we haven't had much of a winter this year, there's been times where it's gotten us out and got us into runs and that's been wonderful. There is something, uh, I don't know, this this feeling of, for lack of a better way of putting it, epicness when you're the one out there in the averse conditions, like sort of that, I forget who brought it up earlier, but that embracing discomfort. Uh, a, a phrase in my own life I've used is discomfort is the path. And I don't know if any of you have read or followed or listened to any stuff by David Goggins, uh, but he's all about like, you know, you know get hard. And when you're out there and you're running through a snowstorm and you're breaking your own trail first steps through the snow, there's a feeling that comes with that that you don't really get anywhere else in life. And, uh, and I think that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. And I love that you guys have noticed it. Um, 
with your own experience. And yeah, sometimes a simple piece of gear can make the difference. A yak track, which is basically just a um, simple chain system. If you think of like chains for your car, but it stretches over your shoes for those who've never heard of them before. Um, and I'll include a link to uh, those in the show description down below, as well as the, the different books and uh, authors we've uh, mentioned on this podcast. Those will be down below as well. So I'm kind of curious, this, you know, running takes time, meeting up with the group takes time. How have you balanced sort of the professional life, this new training life and family life? How, how have you guys made that work? And again, maybe it's different for, for each person. So maybe more than one person chime in here. Well, I know like for me, usually I'm coaching two sports. Um, you know, my wife coaches cross country now here at Henley, um, which, you know, we haven't had any practices, any games, anything like that. So for me, I had more time available than, you know, what I would have normally. And so, um, and then you start thinking about, you know, there's nothing that says you can't run at 4.45 in the morning. There's nothing that says you can't run at seven o'clock at night. And so, once you kind of, it was weird. It was really weird how I went from finding ways to get out of it, um, finding ways to, you know, it was almost like everything had to line up. Everything had to be perfect for me to think about myself and put myself first as far as doing something physically and emotionally um, that's good for me. And now you start thinking about ways, um, you know, it's like the opposite point of view where you're looking at, well, if I run, you know, Monday morning, then I can take Tuesday off and then I'll run Wednesday night or whatever your schedule is. It's pretty easy in a 24 hour day to take an hour out of it um, when it would have been spent doing something much less productive. What do you talk about your half a cup of a coffee you have in the morning before 4.45 runs and what that time means to you? Because I love hearing you talk about what that half a cup of coffee means. Yeah, it's, it's the thing I look forward to the most. Every morning I get up at four and knowing that Randall's gonna be at the house at 4.45, I get a half a cup of coffee done before the run. And uh, it, it's just a good start to the day. And as far as making time, you know, like Brian basically said it is that 4:45. My wife and I we get up. And we run with Adam and Randy, and um, and we're home. By the time we get home, the kids are just getting up, and um, so uh, you can make time if you if you want to. And I think that's been the funnest part of the conversation is it's not always going to be like this year. You know, hopefully sooner than later. It's a normal basketball season right now, and in a normal year, these guys would all be coaching practice until late at night and twice a week being you know late at night at games sam and i would be at the games doing the score clock or the scoreboard and so the funnest conversations with randy and dylan's like we have to sustain this in the years to come dylan's a freshman basketball coach and so he coaches generally practice at 6 a.m every day and it's like well you know maybe we run at 4 45 and you have to turn back and go back to the house a little sooner and, and make it to freshman practice but you still get your run in and and so I think that's been the funnest conversations is planning how to sustain this once normalcy returns. Any any uh, strong conclusions on uh, sustaining it? Uh, I mean, obviously you mentioned timelines and all that. Um, do you think? What do you think? Do you think the system you have now is is going to work once everybody's back to their busier schedules? I think for me, I think, you know, getting up at four, running 4.30, 4.45, I know for a fact I wasn't doing anything during that time frame. Um, I think that, you know, going forward is like what Brian was saying, like just, um, you know, it, aligning, the stars aligning right for me to get out and run was a big deal or it was so easy to, you know, oh, I can't do that right now. Um, one of the biggest things for me was just the consistency week to week of having that mental toughness and having discipline. 
um, to continue those high mileages every week. But I think, you know, planning ahead and if we're coming in late from a road game and taking that morning off, but I think overall and, and having the weekends as well, I think the morning is, is going to be a great path to continue um, consistently. Well, I don't know how Dylan, and, you know, I know Brian runs in the morning too. Sam's not going to participate in this part of the discussion in a positive way, but I'm setting my alarm for four o'clock now. It used to be 4.30 then 4.15. Now it's just four in the days I get up, which is about four days a week, you know, getting up at four and running and meeting the guys and the gals. I've got way more energy and patience at work on those days compared to the days where I sleep until five or 5.30 at six. I'm way more irritable uh, and tired at school in the mornings I don't get up and run. So that encourages me that these guys want to continue that into the future. You get up at four and accomplishing a couple things and the self-confidence that comes with that. And I know Sam can maybe speak to the other side of that coin, but uh, I appreciate that the rest of the guys are kind of committed to, to waking up early and doing that because that gives us a path forward. There, there's way less demand on our time at four in the morning and five in the morning versus four and five in the afternoon when there's tremendous amount of demand on our time. I think too, um, having sustainability for our running is going to be huge for our group as coaches going through a normal season pressure of of the season in general and just getting to release some energy and maybe um, being able to collaborate some issues or problems or bounce ideas off of each other, I think will be a great um, positive way to uh, improve all of our coaching. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Anybody else want to jump in there? All right. So, conversation. Oh. I don't have kids and I don't like to get up early. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and pass. No, I mean, I actually love that you, you, you go ahead and say that because it's cool that there's a whole core group of you that like sees this morning time as like, hey, sure, it's uncomfortable to get up early, but this is time I'm setting aside to invest in myself. And I'm doing it in a way that's responsible to my fatherhood, to my profession, um, where I, I'm cutting it out of something that only affects me, right? Your sleeping hours, hours you normally wouldn't necessarily be accomplishing anything else. And you're like, okay, I'm going to take that and I'm going to invest that in my future. And I think that's super cool, but it's also cool to like note and that you guys are all still friends, even though Sam, you're like, hey, it doesn't work for me, but I'm still going to go run on my own time. I'm still going to be a part of this crew crew, but I'm going to do it in a way that works for me. So it's like both stories are being told here. Um, and I think that's really important for anyone that's listening. Like it's okay to make it work. However you make it work. Um, you know, setting that time aside in the morning, if that's all that works for you, like do it, embrace that discomfort, move forward. If there's another way to move forward that works better for you, use that method and move forward. And I think that's the, that's kind of a big takeaway that it can, it can work either way. Um, a quote that I became enamored with at a young age was, I will do today what others will not so that I can do tomorrow what others cannot. And it's like, I see you guys sort of embodying that and living that right now. Like a lot of people aren't willing to get up and run in the cold. Um, but because you have been practicing that, you now find yourselves capable and have having grown in a way that you can you can choose to do things that those people who weren't willing to do you know, the, the hours, the grind in the morning, um, well, they don't have that option. Um, and you can always choose to take a day off, right? Like that's something that's always been in my mind. It's like, you can always choose the easy path. Anybody can turn Netflix on, but Ooh. not anybody can choose to run a half marathon. Um, and I've always sort of lived my life on like, well, what's the harder path? And, and I love you guys seeing you guys and hear you guys talk about the value that that's brought to your own lives and the confidence that that's brought to your own lives. Um, and, and echoing also like the feeling you get at school when you've already, I used to, I, I teach out at Bonanza and uh, I was training for Ironman triathlons for, for a long season of life. And during that whole chapter of my life, I would wake up and I would bike out, rain, shine, cold, whatever. Um, I, had, I had rides out here where my water bottle would freeze solid before I arrived. And on days like that, like it didn't matter what the kids threw at me. It's like, nah, 
you, you, you can't change how I've already crushed it for the day. Even if nothing else goes my way the whole day, I, I already biked from Klamath Falls to Bonanza. Like you can't take that away from me. So go ahead, bring it. Um, and there is this sort of this spirit of like, you know, confidence and sureness in how your day is going to go when you set that morning routine just right. Um, and I love Dylan, you bringing up the like having that. Uh, I think in in the habit formation uh, research you would read, it's called um, uh, it's something pairing. It's when you pair you pair a new habit with something you already enjoy. So get up, have the half a cup of coffee. And that always symbolizes now I'm going to go run, which is the the newer habit. Um, and having things like that for whoever's listening, where you're like, okay, I have my half cup of coffee that I already enjoy, that's already a part of my routine, and that's what triggers the first steps of the new habit. Um, that's a really healthy way to to build a new habit because it creates a consistent trigger um, that starts you down the path toward your your new desired habit. Um, so super cool to hear you guys like see these things inside what you're doing and uh, just hear the, the the positive impacts. I mean, I had more questions about like, has it made life better? And I feel like from all of you already, you've you've talked about how socially and professionally um, and and personal confidence wise, and even uh, some illusion uh, some people have uh, alluded to mood and emotions like, Pretty much this new habit has made life better um which is awesome to hear i mean sure i bet i bet cold fingertips kind of suck sometimes um but what's what's that except a reminder that you're not dead yet um i forget what book it is but there's a book that says um i think it's perfect for our culture you you shouldn't try to aim for a life with no discomfort you shouldn't aim for a pain-free life because that's impossible. Instead, choose something to live for that makes the pain worth it. Um, and I think that's so much better of a way to live to like, like, yeah, these are the things that are gonna suck because of what I've chosen um, and they're gonna happen every day, but at least I know why I'm hurting. Um, and that's that's been a huge thing in how I've I've thought about my life and going through the world. Um, and again, I see you guys out doing it. Um, it's cool to see these these sort of wisdoms, if you will, that get passed down through you know philosophy and and different cultures over time, being embodied in in this seemingly little little running habit you guys have taken up. Um, so, would you guys say that the pandemic is what triggered it? Like, it was right. It was maybe not totally because of, but a big part of what triggered the start of this was the, the pandemic and everything being shut down. Absolutely. Uh, definitely. I remember we, uh, we had a big Zoom with a bunch of us um, and everyone kind of brought a topic to the conversation and we talked about it and we'd move on to the next person and their topic. And I remember kind of an underlying theme was, um, you know, I want to come out of this better. Um, I want to use my time wisely is kind of what it came down to. And, um, you know, I think, you know, that's been, at least for me, a, a pretty big motivation because during that time where I knew I didn't have as much going on, there's a lot of different ways you can take that extra time or, you know, you know, that you, and you really only get one chance and hopefully it doesn't, you know, happen again. But um, I think how you respond to that um, says a lot about kind of what you value. Are you gonna, you know, start old? What do you do? Um, you know, what kind of person are you when, when nobody's watching type of thing? So how are you gonna use this time? How are you gonna use it um, for your betterment? And um, one other thing I wanted to say, like when you're talking about, um, biking out to Bonanza and things like that. It reminds me of a run we went on over Christmas, early in the morning through the snow, the Christmas light runs. And I remember Adam was talking about the toughness bank. And I think, you know, part of this ritual and part of the sustainability is, you know, when you go on a run and it's 12 degrees or whatever, less than that, and you're freezing cold and, 
And then you're thinking about, well, do I really want to do that again tomorrow? Well, tomorrow's 15 degrees. I already hammered it out on 12 degrees. I know I can do 15 degrees. And you start to build up this calloused mind like like Goggins talked about where, um, you know, you're building up that toughness bank. Like I've been there, done that. This day is not going to be as hard as, as two weeks ago type of a thing. Well, let's give credit where credit's due. That, that's Woody's uh, phrase. Woody brought that up one morning, the toughest bake. There was uh, a morning run where it was so cold that the sweat was freezing on everyone's hair. Uh, one of our guys, Brendan Holmes, has longer, beautiful hair. And on some of these runs, the sweat has literally frozen, where he looks like an ice princess of some kind. And that particular morning when it was really cold and the wind was blowing, and I wear cotton gloves and they'd gotten so sweaty that the fingertips had frozen. I made some comment about it and what he's, he's just building up, making deposits in the toughness bank and had to go home and put my gloves in front of the propane fireplace to thaw them enough to pull them off. But what you said, Brian, it's true is that once you get through stuff like that, you know, I think the phrase you use all the time is deliberate discomfort. Your mind's just open to a bunch more, like there's a lot more out there I bet I could do and tolerate and overcome and you kind of want to push yourself and a morning like that one morning on a sunday when woody we were running randy through that five inches of snow up and down the ridgeview trail you're just kind of laughing and giggling like this is insane we might not even do this if we were hunting and doing something we really enjoy and now we're doing this with a smile on so i think i i couldn't do any of that by myself and so having the group has really helped me develop my toughness bank or help me put myself in positions of deliberate discomfort. Because I think when you're by yourself, it's a heck of a lot easier to just take a shortcut and go home. Awesome. That's, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, it's often, often this, this uh, process of asking more of ourselves and and seeing what we're made of is referred to like as the well um and you know there's a phrase in some of the circles i keep like the well goes deeper and and how, how do you create a quality well well by digging right and uh, it's it's exactly the process you guys are going through digging in to a new difficult experience whether that's facing the coldest cold you've ever faced or being as fatigued as you've ever been or or you know maybe a you know a game game goes late and you get up early to run the next day it's like as little hours of sleep as you've ever operated on right all these little ways that the well goes deeper and the well goes deeper and every time every time you break through that new that new threshold it's like now you know that's possible and that 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 becomes the memory and the experience you can access and call upon for the next experience you know, this is the process by which we become like tougher, more capable human beings. And I think it's a simple wisdom that's so obvious, but in a culture that values comfort above everything, um, we've sort of lost track of it in, in a lot of how we behave and, and even in what we talk about. Um, and I think it's it's super important and it's it's the process you guys are going through. and. Yeah, you're digging the well deeper and you're going to keep impressing yourselves. And at some point, I feel like that's how you wake up and you realize like, hey, wait a minute. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of the person I am. Um, and there's not many people that get to a place where they can say that about the life that they live. Um, and it's this process that leads to that kind of outcome. And, you know, it's what we talk to our students about, right? It's what we talk to our athletes about. And then it's super easy in adult life USA to live nothing that even resembles it whatsoever. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, thank you for your authenticity. Thank you for, for bothering to jump on board with a crazy idea and then to stick with it long enough to be able to talk about it in, in these sorts of ways. This has been an amazing pleasure to have this conversation with you guys. Um, and because of the way this conversation goes, I guess I'll shove a couple of things your way just in case races don't open back up. Um, number one, I feel like a question 
every man, if not every person ought to want to answer for themselves is how far can I move in a day, in a 24 hour period, whether you're a runner or not, right? How far, how much ground can I cover? Um, and I've been kicking around the idea of doing uh, a 24 hour event myself and, and doing it for a fundraiser, um, you know, raise money for sports teams, raise money for a program, raise money for a cause. Um, and, you know, so there's a, there's an idea and perhaps an invitation to you all. And uh, another thing that's been a huge part of how I spent my 2020 uh, are on things called fastest known times. And it's basically, you know, virtual racing before virtual racing became mainstream where you can go and find these different routes, whether they're on trails and mountains, uh, fastestknowntime.com um, is that website. And there's a bunch of stuff near here and all throughout Oregon and Northern California that are some pretty cool experiences that involve some toughness and perhaps some route finding um, and some logistical planning that might be enjoyable to your group. Since you guys are kind of doing this stuff together, it might be fun to get out and chase one of those as a, as a team or individually. Um, so those are both some things you guys might enjoy. Um, and we can fire some ideas back and forth through email. And you guys are you know, welcome to ask me more about that uh, once we're off the air. But I figured I'd make mention of it since the conversation went that way. Well, this, this conversation has been awesome. Um, I want to do some rapid fire questions. I like to call this the wellness warp to close up. Um, and maybe, you know, let's just have like one or two of you chime in on each question, whoever, whoever answers first wins. So here we go. First question, music, podcasts, or silence while you work out. There, um, is, there is no silence when Randall's with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Uh, what would you say are one or two must-have apps, technology, or resources that you guys have used for wellness or fitness through this process? I would say some sort of Fitbit type of thing that measures steps. Um, I just think it's important to figure out how much you're moving and when you're moving. And then with that, if it tracks sleep, um, I'm a pretty big proponent of sleep, not just hours, but um, deep sleep. That's kind of how much deep sleep. And I'll tell you, you know, you Thursday nights after night crawl, after runner, that's the best sleep I get for the entire week. So steps and sleep, something that measures that. Anyone else want to chime in on that one? Yeah, I got it. When we started doing it, I got a Garmin watch just because I got tired of having my phone bouncing around in my pocket. Uh, but it's, it's really cool because running, no matter how much you do it, it never really gets easier. You just do the same thing a little bit faster and it allows you to quantify how much better you're getting every single time you go out on a run. And it just kind of gives you a motivation for your brag board. Like, oh wow, I just did eight miles, I just did nine miles. And it, it feels really good to track that information. I use Runkeeper on my Android phone just because I'm too cheap to buy a watch. I really want to watch character listen to this, my wife at home or something like that. But uh, I know we, some of us have watches, some of us use an app on the phone. And my favorite part of the morning runs is when Dylan's wife, Kim, we're usually a half to three quarters of a mile in and she'll yell at Randy and blame him for not telling her to start her run. So make sure you've got an accountability partner uh, to make sure you start your app. Totally agree on the, the, the like tracking your fitness and it being motivating to see that progress um, because it's so easy to forget where you were even two weeks ago, let alone two months or two years. Um, and if you've tracked that data, you can go back and I have data going all the way back to 2013, 2012. Um, and yeah, it's, it's super motivating to be like, oh wow, like it used to be hard to run that pace for that long. And now I'm doing double that distance and it's faster and it feels better. Mm -hmm. um, yes, it's a huge thing. That's so cool that, that all of you mentioned uh, using either an app or a watch. Um, okay, here's one. And as many of you can answer this one as you want. You find yourself with one full day, no responsibilities, just a free and clear schedule. What do you do with the day? 
Is it, well, is it any time of the year? Can we pretend it's any time of the year? Sure, any time of the year. All right, I'm going fishing somewhere. Um, maybe a couple different places if I have all day. That's, that's a no-brainer for me. If you got time for another podcast, I can complain about Mount Bachelor's parking issues. Uh, so generally in winter, that's what I would be. But I, I'd really like to go chase out if I had a choice, as long as they're bearded. Or try to catch a steelhead. Anybody else chiming in? Free day. What are you going to do with it? All right. Jumping, jumping on to the next question. One of your friends, let's say, is looking to do just one thing to live a healthier life. Not a bunch of things, just one thing. What is the first thing you would recommend? Do something uncomfortable every day. Even if it's, I, I, well, I was listening to Friedman was talking about, it's better to do something uncomfortable every day, even if it's a minute, than do something uncomfortable for an hour once a month. And so find something that makes you uncomfortable and seek that out. And the more you don't want to do it, that's your body telling you um, that you probably should. Let's say seek out like-minded people to form a group. You know, I think I ran like 225 miles in January and I wouldn't have run one mile if I didn't have a group of people to support me. I know there's been like weekends where my wife's on call and I can't go on runs and have to go on the treadmill or maybe like mine and Randy's schedule doesn't match up. And they just text me, like, let me know that you did your run. I'll do the same. And so even accountability through text. And so the first 20 times it was Bobby, I had a text already formed up making an excuse why I couldn't make it. And I just never sent it. And then when Randy started the mornings, the first 20 times I had texts already typed up, canceling, letting him know I couldn't go. And I never sent one because you're accountable to somebody else. So I would encourage everyone to find, and they're out there, you know, a, a group of people to support you because it's really hard to do on your own. Anyone else? One, one, one thing you would recommend to the friend that wants a, a healthier life? I would say just, just to do it, just to do whatever it is, you know, um, Coach Hammond, who's unfortunate, a schedule unavailable to right now, um, can't be here. But, um, you know, during quarantine, we started walking and, um, you know, walking uh, kind of just uh, something to do, release some energy, didn't really know what was going on in the world. Um, and so that kind of gravitated towards wanting to run and then doing something a little bit more extreme and then a little bit more consistency. So just actually getting out the door, if that's something active that whatever you're into. Um, and it doesn't have to be crazy. And, you know, uh, my first run, we got done at Moore Park when I was with Bobby and he's like, have you ever ran seven miles before? And I'm like, nope. And he's like, well, you just did. So um, it's pretty shocking of how that can carry on um, just getting out the door. We have a seven month old at home. And so my wife's just struggling to get back into shape after childbirth, which none of us could do. And she started off eight, nine minute runs and then 10 minute and then 11 and then 15. And now she's up to a half an hour. And so don't be embarrassed. No time is too small. And I think the biggest mistake people can make is starting too big. Awesome. Those, those are all awesome pieces right there. Um, personally, can uh, any of you share a fitness or wellness goal you have for 2021? I mean, we brought up races kind of anything else that stands uh, out as like, uh, this is, this is what I want to do with this fitness. Well, we kind of talked about it. I want to sign up for another race and do something more than a 10 K. Remember last year, uh, Randall and I did the 10 K and Bobby did a 30 K, which was mind numbing that someone could even run that far. Uh, but now after doing that half marathon, I kind of have my sights set on something in that range. Yeah, it's attainable. I want to be able to make it through a night crawl without walking. <laughs> nice. 
Well, I think a really good goal for all of us, it's tangible on a Thursday night by Thursday night basis. And that Dylan and I have had this conversation many times. It's a really good goal in our local community just to make it to the top tower at Moore Park without stopping. It's tangible, it's attainable, and we can do it. Any events or opportunities that you guys would like to make other people who might be listening aware of, like things they could get involved with that might help? Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a weird time for for events and the usual opportunities, just because most things are still kind of on the fence as to whether they're going to exist or not. How well, about we're hoping for that race at Mount Shasta in June. And I know there's a, a half marathon that's on trails at Phil's Trail and Bend, and we're hoping for that. But uh, I know Randy started the half marathon in December, and that's going to be an annual thing. We don't want to grow it too big where. You need like release forms and like actual organization. We want to keep it pretty organic, but in the future, that's something that we'd like to grow at the appropriate level is the the winter solstice half marathon. <laughs> nice. So if uh, other people, other teachers want to get in touch with you guys and like ask some questions or come out and run, or maybe they're trying to build their own running crew, um, how could they get in touch with you guys? Uh, just have him email Luke Hammond. He'll he'll answer <laughs> questions. Don't do it. He Luke's our PR and marketing manager. He's a real he's a real people person. Much more than any of us. Well, we were running at Steens one night because and down by the jail because the trails and more were too muddy and. We saw two of the guys running with headlamps and they asked us we were a running group. We kind of looked at each other, we didn't know what to say. And they asked us if we had a social media presence, which we definitely don't. So I think reaching out to Luke is gonna be the most effective way to handle that. Awesome, I'll make sure to include his email in the, uh, in the description down below the show. And uh, so all of that can go through him as your PR manager. So do you guys have a, a name that you go by? Your, your group is, yeah, I've, I've heard, you know, the night crawl, is there, is there a name that goes along? We do, but we're not allowed to talk about it. So our, uh, our founder, we do have a name, but our founder, know. Bobby Mick said the first and second rules of our group is you're really not supposed to talk about it. So um, if people want to learn the name of the group, they should reach out to us and just come on a run and join the group. That, 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 that's my best advice, but I'll let anybody else chime in on that. Stiz, you know, Bobby pretty well, what do you think? I know I kind of I kind of like it. I, I kind of want to leave it right there. If you want to learn the name of their group, you got to come out and run with the group. Like Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys, this has been awesome. Thank you for being wellness warriors for our students, for for your fellow staff members with each other, and inspiring all of us here at KCSD. Um, any final nuggets of wisdom or knowledge? I mean, you've been, you guys have been dr dropping the wisdom all along, but for other aspiring wellness war warriors, what do you got? Well, the one thing I would say, being a lifelong Klamath Falls kid, born and raised just like Woody, the one, the one, because I thought I knew Klamath front and back, love Klamath, city of sunshine, wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Running, um, you know, Hogsback, Moore Park, the jail, Olean, all that stuff. It really opens up your eyes to we got it. We got it pretty good here. I ran 10 miles from my house, saw one other person and was, you know, left and was back in in less than two hours. And if you lived somewhere else, Bend, um, you know, over the hill somewhere, I don't think you I think. I think it really opens you up your eyes to, you know, what a great city this is and how much it has to offer um, for the fitness world and, and just being able to get outside and not really have to bump bump elbows or bump, rub shoulders with anybody else. It's, it's pretty cool. I don't know how many times Adam said it. Um, you know, this is pretty cool that we can do this 15 minutes from our house um, and, and don't see anybody else out there. It, it's it's a really great city. Obviously, I'm invested in it, but um, you know, this running stuff has really opened my eye, my eyes up even more. 
Yeah, I'll pile on to that. I moved down here from Bend. Um, and it was my choice to do that. And the running opportunities here and the biking opportunities uh, far exceed the opportunity that I saw in Bend. I mean, from the canals to the hills to the OCE trail to, I mean, there's three or four really challenging hills within five to 15 minutes from our houses. And the opportunity we have here and the views you get to do when you do it are amazing. Well, that awesome way to close. That was phenomenal. Thank you all so much. And thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jason.